tonight we're going to talk about shepherds and sheep. Did you know that there were shepherds there the night that Jesus was born? Did you know there were sheep too? Well, I'm going to read to you from Luke 2. And I know that a lot of you have heard this part of the Bible before. As I'm reading, think about the shepherds and the sheep. There were some shepherds living in the same part of the country, keeping guard throughout the night over their flocks in the open fields. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord stood by their side. The splendor of the Lord blazed around them, and they were terror-stricken. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen, I bring you glorious news of great joy, which is for all the people. This very day in David's town, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Let this prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped up and lying in a manger. And in a flash there appeared with the angel a vast host of the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace upon earth among men of goodwill. When the angels left them and went back into heaven... What do you think the shepherds did after they heard that news? They went. You're right. They said to each other, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. So they came as fast as they could, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they had seen the sight, they told everybody what had been said to them about this little child. And those who heard them were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured all these things and turned them over in her mind. The shepherds went back to work, glorifying and praising God for everything that they had heard and seen, which had happened just as they had been told. So were you thinking about the shepherds and the sheep there? Did you notice the shepherds had to go back to work? Some of your moms and dads had to work today. Some of you had to do some chores today. Some people in my family complained, it's Christmas Eve, why should we have to do chores? But even the shepherds had to go right back to work, because if they didn't go back, who was going to watch the sheep, right? I don't know, maybe the Lord could watch them. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Well, as I was reading these verses... I began thinking about how there were sheep and shepherds there on that night when Jesus was born. And all throughout the Bible, there's lots of mention of sheep and shepherds. Did you know that God calls us his sheep? He says we're like his sheep and that Jesus is like our shepherd. What do you guys think those shepherds looked like that night in Bethlehem? They were sleeping out on the hillside with their sheep. What do you think they looked like? You think they looked like cows? Hmm, interesting. Any other ideas? <laughs> what do you think they looked like? Oh, you guys are just being silly. What do you think the shepherds looked like? You think they looked like sheep? They're shepherds. Oh, my goodness. What do you think the shepherds looked like? Like what? Hold on. Oh, okay. Milo thinks they were laying back on their back, just kind of looking up at the stars. That's probably pretty accurate. Kate, what do you think? They might have been dirty. They were sleeping outside. Have you guys ever camped and slept outside? You did? Have you ever slept with sheep? How many of you ever slept with sheep? A, A few people in this room have slept with sheep. 
And some people in my family have slept outside with goats, but we don't have any sheep. Did you sleep outside? Nope. Oh. Oh, wow. Well, okay. So all of you guys who have slept with animals outside or just slept outside to camp, how do you smell after you've been sleeping outside camping and good? All right. Yeah. Spoken like a true 4-H'er. Any, anybody else? How do, how do shepherds smell? What do you think after they stay out night after night with their sheep? Maybe stinky. What do you think? Okay, they might have been. They might have been. What do you think, Cole? Oh, I don't think they smelled dumb. That's not a smell. What What else? Oh, some wise girl here in the middle says that she thinks the shepherds probably smelled like sheep. And I think she's probably right because you tend to smell like what you're sleeping around. And if you've slept in a goat barn or a sheep barn or, or with horses, I know there's some horse people here tonight, you're likely to smell like that. Well, you know what's interesting is that um, Jesus even called himself the good shepherd. Some of you may have heard of this. In John chapter 10, Jesus' words are written down, and here's what he said about himself. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice, and they follow me, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus was saying that he loved us so much that he would do just about anything for us. In fact, he did do everything for us. He died later on the cross, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that he loved us. I ask some of you guys at Awana, why do you think God and even Jesus said about himself that he was like our shepherd? Why do you think Jesus is like our shepherd? And here's some of the answers I got. Hold on to your answers. I'll ask a couple of you in a minute. Here's some things people already told me. Jesus is like our shepherd because we're his sheep. Somebody told me that and they looked at me like, that's it. Don't you get that? I thought that was a good answer. Um, Also because he's protecting us. And here was a really good thoughtful answer. Jesus is like our shepherd because we run around and we don't really know what to do without him. I think that's very true. Here's one that I really liked and I relate to. Someone said, Jesus is our shepherd because sheep like to stay by the shepherd. And when we're scared or having trouble going to sleep, he's right there with us and he watches over us. I really liked all of these thoughts about why Jesus is like our shepherd. And I thought of another one, which was the same one that you thought of right in the middle. I think Jesus is like our shepherd because he smells like sheep. Us. He came to earth, he lived with us, he became one of us, and he spent time up close with us. And so I think that a shepherd is a perfect name for Jesus. Did you know even uh, the word Emmanuel? You heard Pastor Keith use that a little bit earlier. Emmanuel is a Hebrew word that means God is with us. So if we're sheep and he's with us, then I think he smells like sheep. So... I have asked a young man named Trevor to read um, Psalm 23 for us. And Trevor, I'm going to ask you to speak right into this microphone and just read this to us. For a lot of us, this is our very favorite psalm. And some of you may have even memorized this um, growing up or, or even some of you right now in Awana may have memorized it. It's written by a shepherd whose name was David. He later became King David. 
and it's written about our good shepherd. Go ahead, Trevor. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> you know, I want you guys to think about the, the fact that Jesus is our shepherd, and when you're afraid, you can trust him and you can talk to him. And he's there with us all the time, just hanging out with us sheep. So um, my prayer for you guys before I send you back to sit with your families is that each one of you would really want to follow the shepherd, Jesus, and that you would be as excited to tell about Jesus as those shepherds were on the first night that Jesus was born. Thanks for being such great listeners. And you can quietly walk back to sit with your families. Would you all thank Kim for being courageous and doing that for us? You guys ready for a long sermon now? Yeah, no, you're not. I don't believe you. (laughs) How about a really, really short one? In fact, we're just going to continue on with our lighting of the Advent candles here and and talk through the message that they they tell us. I can remember as a kid growing up in Apple Valley, California, my sister and I, one of my favorite services all year long, as I already told you, was the Christmas Eve service. And in the car on the way to church uh, at night, I can remember looking out over the valley in the desert. You can see a long ways. And we would sit there in the car and we would count houses, uh, as many houses as had Christmas lights as we could see. And we would keep a tally every year. And Katrina and I would always see if we could sort of beat last year's number. That was sort of our annual tradition. It was just one of those things of looking at the Christmas lights. Uh, But better than that for me was going to church uh, and having, just as we're going to do tonight, a candlelight service. And watching this great big church darken uh, and become uh, just quiet and still and dark. And watching a single light source grow and spread and illuminate the whole room. And it is such a powerful metaphor of what God has done for us, giving us the light of Christ. And it did start very small. And that's one of the things that we uh, kind of notice as we do uh, our candlelight service and as we focus on the the, uh, different elements of the Advent. The first candle that we light is the prophecy candle. rebelling there we go and the prophecy candle uh, reminds us that god told us in advance what he was going to do he announced the light that he was sending into the world in fact in isaiah 9 2 it says this the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned 
And we talked about this past week, this past Sunday, the context that Isaiah was writing in. Remember, uh, Judah as a nation was in distress. The Assyrians were breathing down their neck. The threat of conquest and war was upon them. They were looking for help. And instead of looking to Yahweh and trusting in him, they looked to the Assyrians and formed an unwise alliance with an idolatrous nation. And it contributed to their downfall. And Isaiah came upon the scene as a prosecuting attorney telling them what they had done was wrong and telling them of the judgment of God that was to come, that they would in fact be conquered, that they would have to leave their land and be exiled. But in the midst of that dark message, he gave them a bright message of hope and of a future of a light that had dawned. He goes on in that same chapter, Isaiah nine, six to say this for to us, a child is born to us. A son is given. In other words, this this person board will be both human and it will be given a son, given a title, a, a one given from God. So both human and divine. He goes on to say, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And we spent some time this last week looking at those titles, which distinguish the rule and reign of Christ that we hope for one day. That we hope expectantly for. The next candle that we light is the Bethlehem candle. So we've lit the prophecy candle. We remember that God told us in advance about the light that he was sending into the world. And through prophecy, he also told us where uh, this light would shine forth. In Micah 5.2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah... Out of you will come one for me who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And one of the things that we know about Bethlehem is that it was not a powerful place. It was the city of David and and it did it did have some some prophetic implications that Messiah would come from there. So in that sense, it was powerful, but it was just a small out of the way backwoods kind of town. It was a town filled with ordinary people. And the fact that Messiah would come out of that kind of a place shows his care and his concern for all. The next piece of of light, so to speak, in our in our advent here is the shepherds. The third candle we light is the shepherd's candle. And we're reminded that um, the Messiah not only came to an ordinary town, but he came to ordinary people. He came for ordinary people which is what we all are, very, very ordinary people in need of an extraordinary Savior. And so we have the light first showing forth in prophecy, showing up in Bethlehem, showing up for simple people like the shepherds. Luke 2, 8 through 12 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, which incidentally seems to me that every time an angel appears, that's about the first words that come out of their mouth. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. The savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The light shone forth with the prophetic message. And it appeared in Bethlehem. 
And it was announced to the shepherds, very ordinary people. And then the angels are the next piece of the advent, of course. The angels are individuals whom if we saw them, like everyone else, we would most likely be terrified or strongly inclined to worship them. They are an awe-striking being. And yet they are in awe of God and of his Messiah. The angels appeared in Luke 2, 13 through 14. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. There's one more candle. Because these are all lights pointing to the great light. The light of Christ. And so this is the candle we've been waiting for weeks to light. This was the candle that God's people, the individual that God's people have been waiting for. And he came, of course, and this is what Christmas is all about. In John 8, 2, Jesus spoke to the people again, and he said, I am the light of the world. Imagine the implication. The light and darkness that Isaiah spoke about, a light that would shine to those who were in darkness was not just a glimmer of hope, but of reality. Because in the form of a baby, God condescended and became one of us that he might take all of our sin into himself and kill it and be our sacrificial lamb so that we might be reunited with the Father. The light of the world is what he is. He goes on to say this, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. On Christmas Eve, in a room filled with people, lots of heat and babies and expectations and whatever else, it would be the easiest thing to do to make no hard or difficult demands of you. But I'm a little bit of a contrarian, and instead I'm going to make the most demanding, the most difficult, the most challenging uh, plea I can make to you. And that is this, that you would be a follower of Jesus Christ. It will be the hardest decision of your life and the best decision you would ever make. Following Jesus means yielding your life to him, means acknowledging your need for him as a savior, acknowledging that your sins need to be forgiven and spending your life following his manner of life. It will be the hardest thing you ever do and the best thing you ever do. Jesus is the author of life, the sustainer of it. And he knows how it is to be lived and he showed us how it is to be lived. The fact that he is the light is primarily that he saves us from our sin. But it is also that he shows us how to live. And so my encouragement to you this Christmas would be to rejoice in the light of Christ and to learn to follow him. At this point, we get to do the the great dramatic thing here. And we get to show visually what we've just read about. How this light started from a single source, an announcement, a hope, an expectation. But it has grown to reality as Christ has come and as many have chosen to follow him. And so as we light our candles, I want you to keep that in your mind. The growing light of Christ as the church grows, as more and more people come to be followers of Jesus. The best gift that I could give to any of you this Christmas season is the gift that God gave long ago, the light of Christ. Tomorrow morning, as you enjoy 
gifts and food and family and all of the sweetness of the day, remember that it is Jesus by his birth, by his life, and by his death and resurrection that you have the privilege to be his family. He is the gift. and He has made you children of God. So remember that as you celebrate tomorrow. And I would ask you all to have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming.